two, one. John Lennon's Imagine is a monstrosity. It's a moral, musical <laughs> monstrosity. It is so deeply immoral and deeply evil. And yet it's, it's put over this kind of pretentious, these long, pretentious piano chords. Anybody who believes the crap in this song, anybody who believes the crap in this song, you should never have any sort of conversation with them. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your brain power. And that was my uh, Ben Shapiro impression. I'm Adam from your new movie sucks, and uh, that's this is Sardonicast. Wow, we we might have to cut that down. Hello. Yeah, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ralph from Ralph the Woodmaker. <laughs> and I'm Alex from IHE, and uh, I don't want to jump off the the Ben Shapiro thing instantly, but mm-hmm. there was something no. I have to shout out at the beginning here okay. before I forget. Sure. This Tuesday, I randomly got a text from my mother saying. We don't say sprinkles, it's hundreds and thousands. <laughs> so it's. Im- <laughs> and I saw in the comments of that episode, uh, people were pretty annoyed. <laughs> like, are you even British? I don't know that sprinkles are hundreds. I gotta, I gotta admit, I gotta take the loss on oh that. Oh my uh, God. I didn't know. I don't think I've ever bought sprinkles. I don't think I've ever, like, searched for sprinkles or even thought about it, to be honest. I, I do love the idea of you getting a text to enforce that you, you do not say sprinkles. <laughs> We don't say sprinkles <laughs> yeah. in this like house. We don't say sprinkles. It's hundreds of thousands. This is a hundreds. <laughs> of yeah, hundreds and th- yeah, hundreds and thousands. Full stop. And that was it. That was the full message. Thanks, man. That's lovely. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, I had to equal things out there. But anyway, yeah, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, run he's, hide uh, and He's an art critic now. I mean, this uh, the John Lennon's Imagine take is pretty old, but yeah, he's been uh, he's been talking about movies lately on his. Uh, youtube channel he's also doing youtube sponsorships for like wireless headphones and stuff it's kind of interesting he posted a new video Ooh. very recently uh <laughs> that i watched this morning we should have had him as up. a guest mm, yeah. no <laughs> nah. and now he's <laughs> no anyway to summarize <laughs> the video i watched which was absolutely hilarious it's it's titled something like uh popular hollywood films that are secretly conservative or unintentionally conservative and uh his argument was that basically every movie is a conservative movie because the characters are rewarded through virtue and virtue is inherently a conservative principle so like being like it's literally you can't be virtuous without what? being conservative that's his argument he says that uh, a quiet place is pro-life because it, uh, the moral of the story is, is that you should have a baby even even if there are good reasons not to. He says that soul is pro-life because uh, the souls exist before birth. He says arrival is pro-life. He says the Florida Project is about family values and the fallout of not having a good father figure in the home. And uh, my favorite part of the video... Oh, my God. ...is, is, is when he said... We're talking about movies here. And if you want to watch movies with the best sound possible, here's what you need. Raycons. And then he goes into a sponsorship. It was so fucking funny. I burst out laughing today. It was awesome. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. <laughs> Art critic Ben Shapiro. Yeah, but it's like very serious. And then he goes into like a sponsorship. I don't know how much he believes the words that he says, but yeah, to some degree, it's yeah. serious. Well, like I, I like yeah, crapped like on a bunch of Bruce Willis movies, and then I sponsored like Ridge Wallets, but that's different. Like Bruce Willis movies suck. I would argue Bruce Willis movies better fit the point that he was making, right? Yeah. If you wanted to say yeah. say like here's some conservative movies that you should watch that are family values, like just throw in some fucking Bruce Willis movies. 
What was that Eli Roth one <laughs> that people said or like was Clint Eastwood movies? Yeah, Clint Eastwood like movies are like blatantly conservative. Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're like. So I don't know why he has to overanalyze those. It's a bit overanalyzing. Well, his point is he, he's tr- he's trying to say that Hollywood is extremely liberal, and he's projecting saying that Hollywood <laughs> only watches and appreciates and enjoys films based on their political leanings. Which, I mean, obviously there's people in Hollywood <laughs> that do that, but it, basically he's trying to say that it's hypocritical for movies to get Oscars if they're conservative or something. <laughs> so he needs okay. to pick out ones where it's like, oh, I know liberals love this movie. Which is weird, because like, A Quiet Place was his first one, but I don't know. That's not like Alex, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think of this madness? As you said, like I just I don't even know, as Adam said, like what, what, what he actually believes that comes out of his mouth it seems like he's he's like made a brand out of the like controversial like mouthpiece kind of takes that he has yeah and everyone keeps talking about him and he's you know he's pretty popular and everything so <laughs> yeah. whatever he's doing is working for him he's like already come to the conclusion obviously and he's just like scouring movies for any like vague imagery or ideas that he can just assign to his political agenda or whatever. yeah it's a bizarre way to like assess art in any way mm-hmm it's uh yeah. he he's the new Armand White. <laughs> he should he should uh, become verified on Rotten Tomatoes or something. He should be a verified critic. He's got the right poll. Yeah. He's got enough of an audience. I'm just not sure what to say about it cuz it's just so so stupid. <laughs> right? <laughs> it it yeah. is kind of funny. He's memed hard too. Oh yeah. Like the Ben Shapiro memes. I mean, you can't escape it. You oh yeah, that, that when you started playing that voice at the beginning of the episode, I sent chills down my spine. You know, he's got one of those kind of characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got a wet ass p word. <laughs> he's he's a meme machine. Whoa, voice crack. He's a meme machine in ways that he doesn't try to, to be. But he made a he made a uh, film recently, but he didn't direct it. I guess it's just produced by. The Daily Wire. I think he is name. He is na- by name, like executive producer. I think I saw an IMDb and in the credits. Okay, he executive produced a film called Run Hide Fight, which <laughs> this is a bad title. I'm sorry. Sequel I mean, to Live Die Repeat. Yeah, yeah well, that's what it sounds like. Live Die Repeat, which I, was the second title. <laughs> so when I was trying to find this movie before it was like officially released, sort of thing. And there was just like a premiere on the dailywire.com or something. So I was looking off mm-hmm. of YouTube and other places, off of iTunes, all that stuff. And so when I was searching into Google Run, Hide, Fight, I actually found, what was it? The FBI? The, I think the FBI's uh, website, there was like a training video called Run, Hide, Fight. And it was basically this like modern YouTube video that was unlisted, but access accessible on their website being like, oh, here's what you do if you're in the middle of a shooting, if you're just having drinks with your friends. They go through the whole run, hide, fight thing. It's not even like, it's not even really like a bad, you know, PSA, I guess. You know, there's some useful stuff in mm-hmm. there. So I'm assuming that's what they base the title off of is the FBI video, even though that's not like super old. But like, it would be weird to, to have <laughs> that much of a coincidence, you know? Yeah, I guess I didn't really consider the title, mm-hmm. like where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of any other yeah. interpretation. It's quite mm-hmm. simple, isn't it? Alex and I watched this film. Ralph did not. 
He no. had better judgment. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out on the best comedy of 2020, though, Ralph. Oh yeah. You liked it, Alex? It got poor. It got poor reviews. Absolutely adored it. Yeah. Okay, um, great. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a like a pro gun school shooter movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, it, it, it kind of that's it. Like it ends Holy there almost. Um, yeah. It, it wasn't until twenty minutes in where it really kind of reached its peak hilarity and, and badness to me. They have like a squad of school shooter like spoilers, I guess. Like to. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we're um, spoiling the whole thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's. Aside from being like insanely predictable for the first twenty minutes, where like the main character goes hunting with her dad and they're like showing off their rifles and everything, mm-hmm. and I was I was like fine with the first like quarter of an hour. Then, then the school shooting like just comes in out of nowhere. They like crash through the wall of the school. Oh in yeah, they <laughs> drive through the wall. It was pretty funny. Oh, and then a, uh, a a Heath Ledger cosplayer comes out and starts doing his best Joker impression mm-hmm. with some of the. <laughs> some of the most like <laughs> embarrassing dialogue for those of us just joining us this is a school shooting mm-hmm. this kind of shit yeah you created me you really pissed at my cornflakes just weird dialogue and stuff coming from a, a character of this ilk that <laughs> the, the the performances are awful the mm-hmm. just the way the movie flows and the, the way it all comes together it's so like just shocking for shocking sake it's <laughs> Graphically violent at points. I just I kept thinking about, and you'll know what I'm talking about, Adam. You know, in season two of Thirteen Reasons Why, they nearly oh, yeah. almost do a school shooting. They nearly almost they do almost it. do it in season four too. They, there's two there's two yeah, almost yeah, no, school right. shootings in that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is about as good as a Thirteen Reasons Why yeah. episode would if be if they followed on, through on, on the it. Topic. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Quality level, it's there. Yeah, um, it it had a some just really bizarre choices um because some like kind of well-known actors are in there uh thomas jane shows up yep. he mm-hmm. played like the punisher rada mitchell from oh yeah the, uh, discount Naomi Watts. Hill movie. <laughs> yeah 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 um her in particular rada mitchell she plays a ghost in the movie Oh yeah, cancer <laughs> and to, mom. And to make her warm and loving they give her like a uh she's always got a mug in every scene oh yeah she, she's, she's sipping her tea um which i found yeah yeah which i found a bizarre choice because in these intense situations where she's showing up i just felt like that was so distracting when she was holding that mug like <laughs> her presence alone was pretty distracting yeah 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 that was that was enough uh, another thing 13 reasons why i actually did a fair amount but mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's just an awful awful egregious movie um but i did find it funny because it was just so so poorly acted so so obvious just like everything about it like you know before you've even seen it you know if you see the Mm -hmm. trailer you you can figure out where this is going i mean within within that first 20 minutes where they're doing like the hunting thing like i just said to myself Mm -hmm. oh so she's gonna like do the same thing the school shooter and save the day it's just it's like crass and and tasteless to me it's like time and place you know, for these like weird arguments you're trying to make, like a a pro gun school shooter movie, like it's an incredibly sensitive topic. I mean, are you tr- are you just trying to annoy people and divide people? And yeah, it is. I was <laughs> yeah, it's just very frustrating. Sorry, from that angle. Yeah, no, please continue. I want to hear. 
<laughs> your thoughts? I was actually surprised that it wasn't more blatant and obvious. Because what I was expecting from the film with The Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro being attached to it, I was expecting a bit more, I guess, obvious and blatant messaging politically. And it was there for sure. Mm. It was, you know, only in a couple lines did they say, did they say it very clearly. I think there was a Mr. Joker man was like, oh, what what is the security guard going to do? He's not even allowed to carry a gun sort of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it was in those moments where it became like pretty obvious. Yeah. And like the security guys like pisses himself and cries mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, and falls yeah. So I'm reading just... about this right now. Um, <laughs> it's it. I don't know if even even if Ben Shapiro was executive producer, it might have been that they like bought the film like it was pitched to them or something like I don't know. But there's a lot of crew members apparently that uh, express their frustration <laughs> after the fact, asking if there was a way to remove your name from a crew list because they didn't want oh, their name wow. on the project with Ben Shapiro and Daily Wire. And if they had known, they wouldn't have worked on it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's the bad. film Second AD said that. Okay, yeah, it's to me. I I was expecting more of kind of like a lol cow kind of politics thing. What I got from it was just kind of a bad movie. <laughs> it was it's like mm-hmm. politics aside, it's just not a very well made movie. It's like you said, very predictable. The school shooter characters, whenever they were shown on screen are just so difficult to take seriously. So embarrassing. They're so awkward. They look like they've never held a gun in their lives. They're like, it doesn't seem threatening. It's like, like it looks like they're not given any direction and they don't know what to do. They're all kind of doing their own thing. And it was really weird. Yeah. 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 And, uh, there's a lot of horrendous dialogue, especially near the beginning when they're like starting everything. It's just like, Oh God, these, these characters do not talk like people, let alone high school students, you know, like, (laughs) They don't talk like human beings. Yeah, that was a good point. Yeah, they all looked like in their 20s. No one even remotely looked appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh, Why is my voice dying? Oh, probably because I was yelling at a stupid video game yesterday called The Medium. It was bad. (laughs) Yeah, very boring shot composition. Mm -hmm. Lots of forced fake drama between characters. I want to get back to the ghost mom because like, what they did with her character (laughs) was so fucking bizarre. She said that she becomes healthier in the afterlife if the daughter character does all the good things virtuously for the school shooting. So because she didn't run away, even though the first word is run, so it's like run... Okay, I want to put this into perspective. The FBI training video said that those are your three options in order. If running is not possible, then you hide... If hiding is not possible, then you fight, right? That's what the FBI training video was saying. And yet in the film, she's able to run away and decides like, no, this is America (laughs) and goes back and, and ghost mom's like, well, now that you're saving the day, my cancer is becoming non-existent as I'm a ghost. And so like every time she sees her mom as a ghost, she starts removing all of her like cancer makeup. Like, she grows her hair again. She's not, like, in a hospital gown or something. I don't remember. But, yeah, she, like... That's right, yeah. She was bald at the beginning and then looks healthier and grows her hair out as a ghost by the last time we see her in the film. (laughs) And it's just such a goofy concept, especially given that those scenes are, like, some of the more 
serious ones to take. Like, it's not done as a joke. As a joke, it would be awesome. I would love that in a in a joke movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not, and that's what's really weird and about it. It can't really decide what it wants to be. Oh man, I just re- I noticed in my notes they uh they they played patriotic music as she turned around and decided to go back to the school. I, re- <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the basic plot is just is Die Hard, but set in a in a school, it, and it's kind of presented in a similar way. It's really strange mm-hmm. in that way. Like the 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 shooter's got like his henchmen and stuff. And yeah. they don't feel like students coming in. It's it is very it's very Die Hardy. So then the main character like sneaking in and then taking out the bad guys. Like that works for a film like Die Hard. You know, it's a, it's a campy action movie. You know, simple, simple rules, simple stakes. Like, the, yeah, it's it's different when you apply it to something like this because school shooting movies already are quite they're quite difficult to get right. They're quite controversial things. Just these shooter movies. Yeah, like Paul Greengrass didn't. That wasn't even a school, but like, yeah, any kind of tragedy movie. Like, I would, I would just say most directors shouldn't touch it. I've never heard of this fucking guy before. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, this is an action movie. Elephant was like a real film. Elephant was, like was a awesome. Drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like uh, Polytechnique's all right. The Dirties. Yeah, the Dirties. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that the, they those movies in comparison that they kind of they have a clear vision of what they're going for. Whereas when you are throwing in like this diehard kind of plot at the same time as having these kind of ghost elements and it's just like a lot of confusing stuff for. And and the, and the the just the decision, the setting is just so so tone deaf to me. Like, what statement are you trying to make by setting it there? It just, yeah, really kind of shocking. It's topical. It's a movie for Americans, is what it is. Maybe <laughs> right? that's why I didn't get it. If you're gonna have a shooting, it might as well be in a school, or just I yeah. guess shooting movies in general. If we're gonna be honest. But like, what they don't really expand on the the school shooters' motivations too much. It's very just like oh. Wait, that that you just said it like, and that's your whole. Oh thing. yeah, the one kid was bullied, and they made fun of him for his pants were down at some point, and then she convinces him to join her side by saying, <laughs> "You'll be extra embarrassed when you die, because that's all they're gonna remember you for is having your pants down." So she like basically <laughs> uses like she becomes like a bully to. <laughs> to, to persuade him it's really weird it's re- it's very bizarre what they kind of suggest is the correct approach to take in this film it's what th- what really bugs me about yeah. this is like you look at ben shapiro's youtube channel and he's released uh videos at this point i don't remember exactly which one it's within but he's he's released a few videos on the uh, uh run hide fight thing some complaining about the rotten tomatoes score etc cetera, etc cetera. But there was one where within the video, he had on some sort of like, I don't know, uh, FBI expert or some some there was some credential attached to it. And he brought him on to his YouTube show to say, run, hide, fight is like exactly accurate to like what should be happening in a school shooting or like, you know, he was basically trying to legitimize it in a practical, real life way without the the lens of like this is just purely entertainment right and that's what kind of bugs me about it because there's so many things about the movie that are just like a stupid to do and b unrealistic like she gives one of the shooters a gun she gives one of the she Mm -hmm. she thinks i mean she does in the movie because the movie's stupid she persuades him to join his side and unties him and gives him a gun 
you shouldn't do that in real life, Ben. <laughs> right? Like, so don't yeah. don't pretend like this movie is like, oh yeah, like this this is like what you should be doing in a school shooting. But yeah, like he brought this guy on his show to say like just how realistic it is. And there's so many things about the movie where it's just like this is not like this is this is nothing like a modern American situation. This is this, basically yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Ralph. I need to explain this to you. <laughs> the shooting itself is so fucking drawn out because. Only the kids in the cafeteria know that it's happening for, like, the first half hour plus of the film. And so they mm-hmm. try to do, like, a lockdown, but the person, the secretary uh, at the f- front desk or whatever is like, oh, I guess we don't really know there's a school shooting, so I'm not going to do it, even though she, like, got a phone call or something. And so, like, that's one of the, like, messages uh-huh. they're trying to send. But, like, e- even after there's, like, an alarm that rings and the students are like getting out of class then it's like oh false alarm and they're all put back i'm sorry there are kids that would be communicating with each other with their cell phones like they have cell phones Mm -hmm. they would be texting Mm -hmm. like the kids in the classes a (laughs) like wouldn't be not on their phones b like would would get a message from somebody like there are kids inside the cafeteria live streaming it. And so to imply that like yeah. all these kids just wouldn't know that this was taking place this entire time, even after they've left the class and the first thing they would do would be to check their phone. Like, and then they just go back in. It's like, well, guess there's no school shooting. It's like, what? This is none of this is realistic. That's so you, to, to try yeah. and attach this to like a real life scenario is just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. To enforce yeah. what you're just saying, there's a point where, she she's like in the outskirts of the school trying to warn people about going in covered in blood like screaming mm-hmm. and they like don't believe her and it's like what is going on in this universe you're creating like it like there are guns being fired people being slaughtered all the live streaming like it, yeah it just made no sense in the way all that mm-hmm. like should yeah, go down that so- it is a batman movie it, it's genuinely a batman movie. <laughs> if you make the main character like batgirl and then the mm-hmm. main guy is a joker like that it is it, it's like a comic but yeah, within just a, a really <laughs> yeah it would have been a better movie it would have been tonally more the only american here fucking didn't even watch a movie it's just like <laughs> trash. you 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 betrayed your country ralph yeah it just looked like shit. The, the, <laughs> the main school shooter guy comes out of his like van with his girlfriend and like snogs her and stuff it's like what yeah, loads of school shooters like come in with their girlfriends and like they're like, what are you talking about with this? Yeah, they they're like a coordinated group that like one of their motivations <laughs> was just I got bullied in the sixth grade, but they're like, and they wanted all the attention, like the media attention, like there was some master plan or some shit. It was so weird. And then by the end of the movie, the main school shooter escapes somehow, and then he left like a wallet and passport like a bunch of money and and a passport (laughs) like in a box in the trees like 40 feet away from the school (laughs) and goes towards it and nobody else (laughs) notices him going there except the main character who borrows her dad's rifle (laughs) is like i need this now and then kills him (laughs) and doesn't ask for any police help which i i mean like ben is are you saying that that's what you should do in a a situation like that fucking vigilante your own way there without any help from law enforcement (laughs) you want to defund the police or some shit ben what are you talking about anyway yeah it's it's so bizarre so bizarre yeah it's a classic joker plan it's like okay now we're ready for phase b what are you talking about it's really embarrassing i like i like when there was like a balloon room and she'd like 
jumped on the shooter from like the ceiling that's like, right yeah like, from nowhere <laughs> Just... yeah because I'd, I'd written down in my notes balloon stealth and i was trying to remember what that meant because it's been like a week <laughs> since i've seen the movie uh yeah, yeah that's right but I... <laughs> there's all sorts to remember with this mm-hmm. but it is just it's a superhero movie a superhero movie trapped in a, a school shooting daily wire presented it is it is just like a, a bunch of random like sentences yeah. just <laughs> just sounds like nonsense trying to describe it a joker plan yeah like, two school buses <laughs> Yeah, both have a detonator for the other bus. It's like some nonsense <laughs> like that. Yeah, except it doesn't go that far. It's like really held back. It's just yeah, it's a really it's probably not even that creative. small scale, like lowish budget. Probably I don't know how much the budget was. Probably under ten million. I don't know what we're going to consider to be a low budget. You imagine? Probably yeah. it might be like five million or less. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to make an entertaining movie. Although you you mentioned the the FBI guy talking about how realistic it is. But it's just like, yeah, I don't want this movie to be boring. It's got to have a bunch of awesome scenes of, like, shooting. and Like, they make it like an action movie, which is, you know, it's like what Michael Bay did with Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. He just made it, like, dumb. Yeah, I'm not convinced that, like, the director made this film for the same reasons that Ben Shapiro is promoting it. I'm not convinced that the director made yeah, it for Yeah, I don't even reason. know if he's seen it, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> what else has this guy made? <laughs> this run high fight. Yeah, Kyle something let's see i couldn't find the budget but carl rankin yeah nothing i've heard of the witch files <laughs> infestation a bunch of like uh exactly like right? genre stuff yeah and that really yeah, shows like the genre stuff it looks it's like directed yeah. that way <laughs> mm-hmm. really not a competent film regardless of political leanings but i know that ben shapiro doesn't understand what that means so he thinks that everybody that dislikes mm-hmm. the movie is disliking it because it's like inherently conservative, which is very strange because now he's making arguments that every movie is inherently conservative. So <laughs> it's just bad press. Yeah, it just, it just adds to the crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it also meant he could like militarize his fan base and get them to like rate it highly on yeah, to upvote the movie social on media. Yeah, and upvote to give it ten out of ten. It's desperate. Yeah, you will notice. A lot of uh, 10 out of 10 ratings on IMDb, <laughs> like a yeah. supreme mm-hmm. amount of votes that showed up around the time when Ben Shapiro was promoting the film on his channel, and now the overall user rating <laughs> is slowly going down. Hmm, suspicious. Yeah. Uh, 35% yeah, 10 out of 10. <laughs> he's, you, he was using his platform to promote the movie, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which you're allowed to do. A movie that no one would have really seen or talked about otherwise. Uh, um, that Arctic movie, Joe Parra posted a trailer. It was like, mm-hmm. of course, you made the movie. Joe Penna? Is that his name? Or Joe Parra? Pen- Penna? I think it's with an N. Let's check it out. Yeah, I said Penna, right? I thought you said Para. <laughs> Never mind, sorry. Oh, wait, Just continue. <laughs> Whatever it is. My, my I can say both. Joe Penna. The editor will fix that. <laughs> Mystery guitar. Anyway, what, whatever we're saying. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. doing that. Yeah, it's uh, just make make more fucking competent movies. I don't care if it's conservative or whatever. Like, I really don't. If fucking the Florida Project and <laughs> and Arrival are conservative movies, according to Ben Shapiro, then <laughs> fuck it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's just conceptually just a 
just a bad movie, just a bad idea. Should just never have gone beyond <laughs> any kind of pitch. Poorly it's, presented. It's just... <laughs> mm-hmm. It just so like I don't know. It takes itself too seriously. Execution's bad. It's not a good action movie. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's probably the biggest thing. Like the tonal thing. Like you, you have such a serious subject, and then they come out with these like action movie quips while they're like finishing people off at point blank range it's just something very very strange about it because of that subject matter it just doesn't work yeah i think it's also like it might be kind of like a and this is this isn't inherently conservative or anything but it might be just one of those like fantasy things i think a lot of people like to imagine themselves in situations of of uh shootings or terrorist attacks and like project themselves mm-hmm. onto this like imaginary idea of like i would go back and save the day and like you know i, I think this movie is essentially just for. that little fantasy oh yeah exactly Die Hard is a perfect example of that but it's like a good movie at the same time right whereas this is just purely <laughs> yeah. the fantasy with no good movie elements in there like just terrible dialogue not very well filmed at all mm-hmm. really distracting terrible acting mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah, the acting's not great, but we should give the school shooter a nomination so he can be the third Joker to win. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got like a whole uh, Tumblr or something dedicated to him. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. What would you give this uh, out of 10? Um, I'd probably give this a, a one star, maybe a half star, depending mm-hmm. on my mood. The only thing that would prop it up is the is the humor factor that I did laugh a lot of times, or a lot more than a lot of comedies, to be honest. But it is just like a weird mm. Batman plot shoved into a school shooting story. Ugh, politics aside, it's just a badly made movie. Mm-hmm. I, I really can't recommend or appreciate much about it. Like, uh, yeah, one star. I'm giving this one a three out of ten. Wasn't as horrendous as it could have been, but still pretty bad. Pretty funny. Pretty funny movie. Not <laughs> as funny as uh, other bad movies you could watch, but there's still something there. Cancer Mom is pretty great. Yeah. Some. Uh... <laughs> it wasn't the most boring thing ever made, although it was pretty boring. Yeah, I suppose that's one thing I could give it. It was still boring, just not the most boring. It's almost two hours long. Yeah. yeah. They don't really do much. It's just a lot of incompetent police officers standing outside a building and one girl running around. And peeing themselves. And... Yeah. Yeah. Watch something else. The most incompetent cops ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got uh, a little bit of uh, movie news, uh, things that are happening in the movie world. Uh, one of these things that is happening is Nolan's breaking up with Warner Brothers. They're done. Oh no! Because uh, the whole the whole HBO Max thing. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> so, funny. So, what are the exact details? He's just he's just he's not going to work with them again. Yeah, he is done. They're toast. It's <laughs> nuts. His idol Kubrick, you know, worked with Warner Brothers his whole career, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's like it was probably like very sad for him, but he's probably going to go to Sony now because uh, hmm. they they like making movies in theaters. They, the Edgar Wright's movie, right? They shot it on film. Mm. Baby Driver. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's like he's a huge name. Hopefully, they give him 
a bit more control over the marketing because like with fucking Villeneuve, the way they destroyed the marketing for Blade Runner 2049 just pisses me off. Voice crack still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My voice is dying. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's just going to happen today. I was yelling at the media. I think Nolan will be fine. Yeah, but it's... Hopefully. it's... Yeah, I right. was wondering what was going to happen after Tenet because I obviously thought the movie was great, but it didn't do that well for a lot mm-hmm. of reasons. Yeah, what does he want them to do right now? <laughs> it still did well in China, but I don't know. I figured there would be a falling out because of that, because of the streaming. Maybe he just wants to do other things. I don't know. I don't think he's all for this streaming shit, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just wants to make movies and put them in theaters and IMAX. And... He's going to have to keep fighting it. Yeah. They're doing, but that I don't know. This it's like streaming and theater simultaneously. It would, I would feel different no. about this if it was he just streaming. <laughs> but like they're not disallowing him to have them in theaters. They're literally just doing both at the same time. Nothing's stopping anybody from watching a new Christopher Nolan film in theaters if he had stayed on with HBO, Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing that they were doing it simultaneously. So I. I don't know. It's it has to be purely a money thing, but I don't know how many people would go out of their way to see a movie in theaters when they don't want to see a movie in theaters anyway. You know, like I don't I don't know how mm-hmm. big of a difference that's going to make financially mm-hmm. doing it purely theaters versus both at the same time during a pandemic. And HBO Warner Brothers said it was just yeah. for this year too. Like this wasn't. There was no yeah. indication that it would be also in 2022. They might be just testing out the market. I don't know. They want to see what happens. It's like it's an experiment. They're allowed to experiment and see what happens. But Christopher yeah. Nolan is like just completely divorced from them now. Mm-hmm. Well, because they're losing money. <laughs> so they needed to make money somehow. Everybody's losing money right now. <laughs> yeah. Except AMC. Back up, baby. Buy the dips. <laughs> uh, that That is not financial advice. Well, the theaters are losing money. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when this episode would go. Well, because that stock thing on Reddit. Yeah. AMC and uh, what's the other one? GameStop, yeah. Yeah. GME. That doesn't seem very, okay. very secure. BB. <laughs> I don't know. I, I stay away from that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks about Tenet and all this. He'll still make movies. They'll still be great. I really don't care. He didn't even <laughs> have anything slated for 2021. Like, they could, be, they could be back to doing regular shit by the time he has a new movie anyway. Maybe. I mean, who knows? He makes movies, like, really quick. He does, like, actually. every two years, there's a Nolan movie. Yeah, I guess he would have to sign a deal before... He, right. He signs a deal, fucking starts shooting, like, the second the movie comes out. Like, the last movie he made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but, you know, they're always awesome. He develops them for a long time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just... The the purism thing I understand to a certain degree. Like, true film and the full experience. We all value that. Yeah. But like, yeah, you said it's in a pandemic. We still want to see your movies. Like, it's fine. Why can you not just do this for like a couple of years or something? These truly out there circumstances, no one was ready for. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in a pandemic, and no one is restricting anyone from seeing the film in theaters. They are pushing it to theaters simultaneously. The option is still there and available. I don't see the huge deal. <laughs> it's it's really it's weird. Christopher Nolan is a a big baby. He calls uh, HBO Max now, he says, worst streaming service. 
He sounds like fucking comic book guy. (laughs) No. Yeah. Worst movie ever. (laughs) So weird. So bizarre. Terrible. I wish him well. (laughs) Yeah. HBO Max, I just got it. They have tons of good movies on there. (laughs) I would love for HBO Max to come to Canada. It seems like like they have fucking Moral Oral in HD. Xavier Renegated Angel in HD for the first time. Like tons of Adult Swim stuff. I just want, I want that same shit in Canada. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Are all the HBO shows on it? Yeah. Well, so like The Sopranos, The Wire. Sponsor us. We're doing an ad for free right now. I'm pretty <laughs> sure all the uh, HBO shows are on it, yeah. Dude. I know, isn't I'm it stupid? over here. Yeah. Bring it outside of America. Yeah, I spend like 80 quid like every few months on one of those big series just so I can watch it. Yeah. Yeah, Damn. that sucks. Now I have so many streaming services, though. Yeah. <laughs> I got to cut some out. That's you become get its own problem. Peacock. Yeah. yeah, it is. No, I'm not going to peacock. <laughs> who, who, who makes that one? It's uh, NBC. It's, uh, like NBC Universal. Peacock feathers. All mm-hmm. oh, right. Mm-hmm. I guess we don't have that here. So I guess they're going to, like, take back The Office and put it on their own. <laughs> so it'll do well. The Office is on there. Jurassic Park movies. Jurassic Park? Stuff. Oh, is NBC Universal? Oh, I guess they're the same. Uni- Universal. Oh, yeah, shit. anything Universal. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's already... Piracy's going back up already. Like, there's no stuff. Like, <laughs> no one's getting all <laughs> yeah, this yeah. shit. I want yeah, but... Netflix and HBO Max and maybe the Criterion Channel someday. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus is doing great. I don't Criterion want channel Plus. I want to get. They're, the, Disney Plus is like, I've I've read recently that they have like a bunch of adult titles from Fox and from like uh, Touchstone and all that yeah. stuff where it's owned by Disney, yeah. but they're not putting it on Disney Plus because Disney as a brand is supposed to remain child friendly, which is funny because they have the Simpsons on there and there's some, I don't know, I guess Simpsons <laughs> is child friendly now, but yeah, they're going to basically have all the adult titles they're planning on doing it as like an add-on or like a separate service or some shit which just sounds awful Mm -hmm. and i'm just morally opposed to the idea of giving disney money for things you know like spending spending like (laughs) a set amount of money every month for a service that i'm probably not going to be using except for like once every six months when i'm forced to watch like whatever new pixar movie you know like i just Mm -hmm. i just see that as like a moral wrong i could not stomach it i could not live with myself if i did that so <laughs> can't do it what about like amazon prime oh yeah well i already have prime. that one a moral wrong well because c- i'm actually getting a service that i use out of it at least it's the free shipping you know yeah true i don't give a shit like yeah. i wouldn't have amazon prime for their movies if i didn't already have amazon prime for mm-hmm. their shipping shit there's enough movies to make it worth it like worth having yeah. i watch Gotti on there all the time <laughs> no matter what company you give your money to, you're <laughs> committing an immoral act, basically, at this point. At this yeah. point in this year. <laughs> Amazon is pretty bad, but they have a very convenient service. I'm able to get things from them at a quick time. There's a pandemic. I don't want to go outside to buy Disney things. Disney owns so much. Disney owns, like, Coca-Cola, even. Di- no way. Disney doesn't own Coca-Cola. No, they don't. Okay. Yeah, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Exaggerating. Yeah, I, it, it's just Disney is something where, like, I don't think I would be using the service, really. Like, I can't imagine what I I wouldn't, like, why would I pay for something I'm, like, barely ever going to use? Same reason why I wouldn't pay for, like, Apple TV Plus. 
Mm-hmm. It's like there's just not enough mm-hmm. on there that I would like regularly use it. They they have literally nothing. I, don't I feel like I get my money's worth out of HBO Max more than anything else. There's more stuff on there that I feel like I'd be consistently watching. And then Netflix would be a close second probably. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, we can all uh, hope that uh, Christopher Nolan uh, signs a deal with uh, Lionsgate or something. And then Lionsgate will get bought by Disney and his movies will premiere exclusively on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> in 20 years we'll probably have a nolan netflix movie so yeah yeah it's gonna happen <laughs> he's trying to avoid it but it's gonna happen wouldn't that be crazy if he went with lionsgate that would like save the fucking company i don't think they have enough money exactly i don't know but like they're they would want it i mean they all companies would want it but it's like they yeah. need a new ip they need something chaos walking just isn't gonna cut it <laughs> unless you buy the dips Chaos walking to the moon. Yeah, all they all they have is they have John Wick and Saw. Yeah, and they're not using Saw. And also Tyler Perry movies, which might actually be enough to keep them going. Yeah, Tyler Perry, Lionsgate, and also apparently the uh, Rambo movies. I think Hellboy. But Hellboy, they, gotta, they killed know, Hellboy. Wow, they killed it, but he can come back. Oh, they murdered Hellboy. Yeah, <laughs> he can come back in ten years. Guillermo, please, <laughs> we'll let you do the third one. Pretend like it never happened. That would be so smart, but they're so stupid they will never. Why did do they that. not? Because they're stupid. What the smart thing would have been would to let them do it. Yeah. To begin with, <laughs> instead of wasting all the money on that other one they made. Yeah. Just don't get what they're thinking sometimes. Even if they didn't break even on Hellboy three, it would have been a better financial decision <laughs> than the the reboot. Yeah. They should have <laughs> greenlit it after that Oscar one. Yeah. The fish fuck movie. Exactly. Yeah, he had some buzz. He just won fucking Best Picture. The Fish Fuck Movie. That's the title, right? I think so. Yeah, what actually good. is it called? Shape of Fish Fucking. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the Shape of Fish Fucking. Shape of Water. <laughs> water. <laughs> Other news. Uh, we talked recently about uh, Southland Tales can cut. Well, there's another cut of the movie that is being announced. Uh we're getting the uh, Snyder cut of the Southland Tales. Uh, basically, uh, <laughs> Richard Kelly is uh, doing a six hours long director's cut, which I assume he would have to film a lot of shit for, right? Unless there's actually that much on the cutting room floor. Maybe he's just going to incorporate the comic book shit or like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I bet you the first like two and a half hours is just like the rock voiceover reading oh, the yeah. comics. Just like something. that <laughs> shitty like motion graphics like comics yeah yeah that sounds awful <laughs> so it would be a mini series basically i but i don't know <laughs> this is a very a new movie. uh information apparently it's gonna be a six hour long cut that will tell the complete story yeah <laughs> yeah i don't understand how that's possible because i actually read those comics and unless he shot that stuff i where's he gonna get the money to get this done like the rock's not gonna come back for this mm-hmm. <laughs> what what and this is a bunch of like unused footage. That's the only thing I could think of. Where's he going to get the money yeah. to do like uh, all the? I'm sure there's a bunch of CG like special effects like shots and stuff. Uh, He'll add a bunch of characters, I bet. But you read the comics? Is it like were they written after this or during this? No, it was um before watching it because I was so confused by the movie and then just research. Oh, like the first yeah. like half of the story is in comic form, okay, which I'll just takes any punch out of the yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's not a very good comic either. But yeah, we talked about this movie. It's fucking awful. It's probably one of the worst movies we talked about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> six hours long version. Yeah, that's one where like I really when movies have a rep, you know, when they're they have like a fan base that like just believes in it so deeply. I do want to like try and give it a benefit of doubt, but with that one, I just. I can't with South Tales. I'm so sick of these cuts, the director's cuts. Mm-hmm. Like one or two, but there's like eight cuts of these movies. How? What's the? Is this the third cut of it now? Fourth cut? If they're doing the can cut, then this will probably be the third cut. Yeah. No. And apparently, there's also a remake being made that was announced in April. <laughs> when it when it came out, the film was originally trimmed down, like twenty yeah. minutes were cut out, I believe. So I'm assuming the director's cut right now, or sorry, the can cut is the original version before it was cut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just released that on Blu-ray. I was under the impression the can cut was full of like unfinished special effects and stuff, though. So mm-hmm. unless you manage to get that finished, I, I really. <laughs> I guess if people are clamoring for it, he's he's delivering, but it's not really. Yeah, where do you get the money for this though? This is yeah, like... yeah, yeah. They could do it for Justice League. It's millions of dollars though to like <laughs> finish a movie like this. Yeah, I understand it for Justice League or like the extended Midsummer or something, but this mm-hmm. don't know. Very bizarre. He must just be making enough passive income off of uh, Donnie Darko. Or maybe there's just producers that really like him. I don't think the Southland Tales fan base is nearly as big as Donnie Darko. Both are like kind of cult movies. No. They definitely have their own longevity to them. But Southland Tales, like, way less popular and way less well received, <laughs> for sure, than Donnie Darko. Are you going to watch it, though? If it's the if six it's hour cut? That long? <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know. Like,. What's coming out first, the prequel or the six-hour cut? Or maybe they're both the same thing now, because the prequel was announced in April. Maybe now he's just deciding to do the six-hour cut, so, like, the prequel's in the actual movie. And then, like, how the... F- I don't know. So what is this prequel thing? Like, what, what do you mean? They've announced, like, a movie prequel. April 2020 on ScreenRant.com, Southland Tales prequel will be hybrid animation and live action, says writer Richard Kelly, director of the cult smash... Donnie Darko has revealed ambitious plans to shoot a prequel to his much der- derided fil- 2006 derided, film yeah. Southland Tales. Sometimes I forget words or I've never heard them. <laughs> I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I don't know exactly what this is all about. A lot of this is based off of his tweets. But yeah, normally that kind of story comes from some kind of cult classic movie beyond a Southland Tales, you know? Yeah, movie people care about. Yeah. Apparently there's enough people that care about it. Like, I don't know if there are people clamoring. Th- this universe is not... Like, it's crap. No one cares yeah, about it's not it. A... It's not Star Wars. <laughs> you it's say not no Marvel. one, but there are people that actually care No one care cares. About no, no, no. Like, people care about Marvel and Star Wars. Like, that's million-dollar <laughs> franchises. No one cares about Southland Tales and the universe and the comics. It's just like... Just stop with this. <laughs> How many movies are there of just one thing now? There's like three movies now. It's, yeah. it's fucking crap. Confusing. <laughs> and it's confusing. You know, I don't want to watch it once. Yeah. If you make something really confusing, then you'll get a certain chunk of people that will, you know, automatically assume that the film is smarter than them and not the other way around. And so those are dedicated no, but Adam, fans. Pimps don't commit suicide. Yeah. 
Yeah, the dialogue's terrible. It's not funny. If, if you make something do you convoluted think Dwayne Johnson enough. likes the movie? Well, it's like the Neil Breen <laughs> logic, because like he's always able to tell himself, you just don't get it. Like Nobody understood my movie, so anybody who disliked it, it's because they didn't understand it, right? His so if you make something convoluted enough... Watch. They're, they're really funny, and they're short. Oh, Southland Tales would have been much better if it was shorter, but the thing is way too long. Oh, yeah, and yeah. they're solving that problem by making it longer. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That will fix the movie. I don't even mind crap necessarily, as long as it's short. What yeah. are the great ideas in Southland Tales, though? You know, what are like the, the fantastic scenes that are like, oh, this was just... It's all really... F- it's just surface level. We keep making fun of like bad movie posters. I just searched up the poster. And <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ! So it bad. looks like a. It it's looks terrible. fake. It's got like the Rock, the Justin Timberlake, Double Shine William, <laughs> Buffy the Vampire. It looks like a fake movie. It's one of the worst movies The Rock has been in. That's that's really saying something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's very uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A nervous rock is awesome. We can, we can leave Southland Tales there. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about Southland Tales? No. No, I guess not. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I'll, I'll consider watching it if it comes out. <laughs> the, the full cut. Yeah, I just. Six hours? Although my, my gut actually tells me this is never coming out. Oh, yeah. That's also a possibility. Already. It probably won't. No. They probably won't have the money. I'll never yeah. watch it anyway. It's way too long. Yeah. I'll watch it over the course of like a month, 20 minutes a day or something. Yeah. It's just the observations made in that film are just so surface level. And there's people that just keep mm-hmm. telling me like, oh, you just don't get the movie. But I listened to the whole fucking director's commentary. I listened to the director explaining the movie <laughs> and I left with the same impressions. So so that's why yeah. I believe what I believe is because I literally heard the director explaining the whole fucking movie and it was just as stupid i was like yeah this is about what i thought it's just fucking dumb and terribly presented all right Uh, i guess uh it's time for the uh movie recommendation from ralph yeah so i recommended a movie we're gonna say spoilers here or we're like really early um for a movie by quentin tarantini called tortellini Jackie Brown, Jack, yeah, uh, Quentin Tortellini, <laughs> uh, Jackie Brown. It's a really good movie, and uh, it stars Pam Greer, and Robert Forrester, and Sam Jackson, and it's just like a little heist movie. Um, you get, it's like a money exchange in a mall, very straightforward, based on a book called Rum Punch, and uh, I don't know. I thought this is, I, I think it's one of Tarantino's best movies, which is why I wanted to recommend it. And it's very different for him because it's based on a book. It's not just something he uh, he wrote himself. He he didn't build it mm-hmm. from the ground up. He you know he made the whole he based it on a book, and I think that made it uh, much more interesting and subtle than his usual fare. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's got a like following behind it that's different, and they and they like the movie because of that. Um, and it's it's very different from like I don't know. Uh, What's another movie from him that's like really Kill Bill, like yeah. With tons of shooting. Paul Fiction. Yeah. Kill like <laughs> Yeah, literally any of them. <laughs> it's, it, like you just name any other Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, there's movie. just tons of shooting, tons of cursing, ton like this this definitely feels like a Tarantino movie. It's not boring at all. He's a lot of stylistic choices that feel like him. It's got the film look. It looks really great, the colors of everything essentially, basically. Uh but it it's 
it, it has like a real drama and like a groundedness to it where the characters actually feel like real people. And I mm-hmm. think that gave it a unique quality to uh, talk about it. What do you guys think? <laughs> what do you think, Alex? So, I, I'd only seen this film once before. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you first start getting into Tarantino, you start going through all his movies one by one. And then you do get to Jackie Brown. And if you've been watching all those other movies, it does st- it does stand out. It's different. But mm-hmm. on my first viewing, I I didn't really get what he was going for. But... I think he said himself that it's it's kind of a movie almost designed around rewatching it and figuring out that different vibe it's going for. Because on this the second viewing of it, I really enjoyed this movie. I I really liked how it, it it did feel like a progression of Tarantino where he was filtering the violence. It was it was a bit more laid back. It was about just the the dialogue that snappy dialogue he's known for, but uh, it, just in a different style like it like it weirdly reminded me a bit of um another movie we talked about on Sardonicast, uh, sexy beast this idea of taking so, like a, a standard thing like a heist or a money exchange or these crime elements but showing it from a different perspective a different angle and just fleshing it out in different ways that you wouldn't expect and it is just really well thought out the soundtrack's amazing I, I i think all the characters are really distinct it doesn't fall into that problem some tarantino movies have where everyone's so quippy and they're also smart and have that tarantino-esque dialogue that they can all sort of mm-hmm. blend together i feel like every character is really distinct i really like the journey of jackie brown herself i think she's an awesome character and just the the progression of her character from the beginning and end with that opening shot and the ending shot with her in the the car and just the subtle the subtleness of it as you said ralph like yeah, a, the soundtrack i really like yeah. the way this movie comes together and the the kind of subtle tension it builds too because by the time that would you describe it as an action sequence that you kind of see from three different perspectives i, I really <laughs> yeah. like that sequence it's yeah. kind of the payoff with the it's kind of confusing at first mm, yeah because i remember the first time i saw it i was a bit like what uh-huh. but no this time I, I really enjoyed it yeah yeah it comes together really well i thought What's your experience, Adam? I don't know. The, like, the re- the, I, I think one of the reasons why that scene is confusing on a first watch is because it's unnecessarily convoluted. Here we go. Right? I saw there's your like, rating and I groaned. I was like, ugh. There's no good reason why it should be from three perspectives. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm glad you both yeah. love it. There's things I love about the movie. There's things I absolutely love about the movie, too. But, like why mm. th- there's no good reason why it's from three different perspectives at that point because it's literally just like one after the other it's not like it goes back to it after a while or anything it's not like it couldn't have been shot in one perspective and anything would have been lost from that it's just unnecessarily convoluted and the way that the the entire plan is explained too is just like it's not clear like as you said on a first watch it's kind of confusing and confusion aside like i don't know you could always just like read the wikipedia plot summary if you're if you're having trouble figuring out what's going on confusion aside i'm just like super not invested in in what's going on or the characters i like a lot of technical things about the movie but that alone isn't enough to like carry me through the entire experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so i'm like this is this is my least favorite tarantino movie i've this is the fifth <laughs> time i've seen it by the way at least fifth. Okay. I'm 100% positive I've seen it like oh, at least wow. five okay. times. And every single fucking <laughs> okay. time I see this movie, it starts out and I'm like, oh, this is pretty, like, I like this, you know, the 
dynamic between Chris Tucker and Sam Jackson, the uh, assassination shot at the beginning. I like that. There's there's things I like about the movie. But then, like, I don't know, within half an hour of watching it, I forget everything that's happened except for, like, the three times where people were shot in the movie because it just doesn't stick with me. It's just really fucking hmm. boring to me. Okay. I have a very different experience with it because sure. I get into it right away. Yeah. I think the characters are really... I like the characters a lot. Uh, they're obviously, like, they're criminals, they're bad people, but there's more shades of gray to them than, like, the Tarantino, usual Tarantino's characters you have. And, it, like, the dialogue is really good. I, I think yeah, that's I one of the strongest the parts. Of the, and yeah, I, I love I love the way everything's presented. Mm-hmm. I guess we talk about the characters. Yeah, like you said, Jackie Brown. Alex is fucking, like, such an awesome character, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like... It's it, it is like a Tarantino character where you're like, man, this she's fucking badass. Like, no matter yeah. who you are, like, damn, this character's fucking cool. And it transcends like any kind of like bias or or like stereotype you would have of that kind of character. And she is like beaten down from it, like kind of by the system or like society as kind of if yeah. you want to be more blatant about it. You know, like the police are constantly on her ass. She has a really shitty job. She can't get past like her criminal background. Um, and they make a she's reference of it too. She's an African American woman. She's a woman of color, and she's discriminated against because of that reason too. And then there was that whole other layer upon the movie that I noticed this time. I'm like, wow, there's so much going on in this movie. There's there's subtlety going on, like in the subtext that I I love a lot, and I didn't even pick up on first few viewings. Um, but yeah, her, the speech she has where she's kind of explaining her motivations and she's saying how she just can't have her life be reset again. That, that totally yeah. sold me on, on her actions in the movie and her motivations and what was driving her. Uh-huh. And, and this is like her getting back at them. Like she finally outsmarts them. Like Michael yeah, yeah, Keaton yeah. in that room, like at the end when, she, when like he can't figure out the fucking plan. He's like, fuck. He's just like going back and forth, mm-hmm. pounding the wall. Because, you know, she finally got them. It was like a very satisfying moment when she's sitting there. And again, the subtlety on her face and just the shot of her, like, you know, tearing up. I'm like, damn, this is fucking, this is a really powerful movie. Even though it's not a lot of action. It's not a lot of crazy stuff going on. That that bag exchange is, it's just a bag exchange and they walk out. Like, Robert Forster just walks out of the mall and into his car and it's this really exciting moment <laughs> because yeah, of like a the drama of... and because you really care about these characters where you, you at least understand the the drama of the situation and where they're coming from in it you understand robert forster's character and that like he's kind of in love with jackie brown and like how he's kind of beaten down by the system too he's got a really shitty job he's, he's like no one gives a fuck about him and, and like I, I don't know i found i found the characters to be really interesting and that's what kept me going through it so i didn't have that same experience you did adam uh, i'm I'm glad you didn't i'm glad you enjoy it yeah (laughs) no i i do love the cast it is a a unique set of characters just like robert de niro with his weird (laughs) introverted kind of yeah de niro he's like a he's He's, like a bank so interesting in this because he's not like the usual He's a bank yeah, robber, not just... like Heath, though. He's, like, stoned half the movie. He's just, like... Yeah, he's stoned a, half like, the movie. Bumbling... He's just hanging out... He's, like, dense. ...with someone else's girl. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he's just... <laughs> the, the, the way his character comes to a head, I really enjoy. And then he turns into, like, this... This murderer, like... And even the movie acknowledges, like, holy fuck, don't you think that was a little too far? Like, did you have to shoot her? You couldn't slap her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that was such... That's a good scene. Yeah, it was a good scene. Yeah, it's very memorable. Yeah. 
I think it was good with the, those kind of more villainous characters, like Sam Jackson's character. The moment I kind of really fell for for his character was when he goes and picks up the the old money runner and puts him. In, he convinces him to get into the trunk and then just drives him around the corner and just finishes him off, and it's all in one shot. And it really sets the stage and the stakes, and you know what what the the main kind of plot is going to be at that point, and you see what he's capable of, and that he's, yeah, he's really scary. Yeah, he's just willing to do anything just to keep his business going. It's mm-hmm. it's just one of those classic setups. And then and then when he uh, the the scene at the end when Sam Jackson shoots De Niro too, like it's like in broad daylight. <laughs> yeah, it adds like a like a layer of tension to it too for me. It's like Sam Jackson will go anywhere, do anything. You know, he'll he'll do whatever he wants. Like in broad daylight, he'll just shoot a guy and he'll get away with it because he's, you know, he's Mm -hmm. just that good of a criminal. Makes me really fear for like Jackie Brown and like the it added stakes to the story, I thought. Yeah. And he's always like busting everyone's balls, like just chipping at people. Hordell's his name, right? I I really like that character. And his girlfriend, too. I I wish, you know, she's not a major character in it, but she felt the most like like the Tarantino surrogate. She just kind of watched movies all day, got high. She didn't know what the fuck she was doing mm-hmm. like what the part of the plan was i, I like that character too. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh what i was gonna say before alex building on what you said um tarantino he makes like a small cameo in the movie it's like a like the voice on the phone like you have that's one right, message yeah. and that's it but like he doesn't like distract the movie at all with his acting and that was much appreciated I yeah, thought. no cringe cameo <laughs> yeah i i think he his performances for the most part kind of take away from the movie movies he's in you guys are going to disagree with me hard on this i think sam jackson <laughs> sucked in this movie i think sam okay. jackson well, was like actually bad in this movie oh really not only like the the hairpiece stuff was like you, a bit distracting you didn't like, too, his hair? But, like his performance was like bad <laughs> i like it was so weird because like in any given scene it seemed like like he didn't know what his character should be it felt like very inconsistent from scene to scene and I don't usually have this problem with him at all, even though, like, there's plenty of movies where it's like, oh, he's just being Sam Jackson. In this one, he just, like, he didn't work very well, and there were just, like, quite a few lines of dialogue that were just delivered so awkwardly, and it was really... It's not something that I've pointed out and felt strongly before this time watching it, but just, like, going through and taking notes, I'm like, holy shit. You know, halfway through the movie, I was like, Sam Jackson actually fucking sucks in this movie. <laughs> yeah what's like a line you thought one of the lines i wrote down is see i get high later on at night when i'm through with my business but i couldn't even i couldn't even give you an impression of that because just like (laughs) there's just so like it's such a long movie that it's just like it's so forgettable i I don't remember the context of that either he was uh complaining about weed girl basically i actually like that um moment because there's like this scene with chris tucker and he's just trying to get chris tucker in the car like he's just he's basically a sociopath like he's just trying to get him in the car so he can murder him and i always took his character as like he's always lying to people and he's always mm-hmm. playing up certain emotions because he's he's really just selfish he's always looking out for himself he just wants his fucking money yeah i mean like that 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 interpretation can make it yeah. a bit more forgivable if you're going with you know, just like everything about him yeah. is fake, right? Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, I could watch the movie again. I'm sure it's in. It depends on the context of yeah. the scene. Yeah. If it's a scene where he's trying to be genuine and he's like a shitty line. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand. It just seems like a really not thought out character in terms of how he's delivering his <laughs> lines, is the impression I got. 
Mm-hmm. Really, I, I, I don't know. I really felt like I interpreted the opposite with him. Mm-hmm. I felt like he really kind of embodied the character because I think it was his idea to, to kind of with the costume and the hair and everything to look the way he did. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he really embodied it. I, I just think the dynamics he had with all the different characters was so interesting and seeing the different ways he'd react based on like who he was talking to and how he was always kind of chipping at people, putting them down. Like that weed line you said he didn't like. Mm-hmm. There's another moment, I think, in that very scene where he's, he tells... um. Uh, Bridget Fonda to like don't get crazy with the weeks or like rob you of your ambition and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's loads of really good lines in the movie, and I felt like he had a lot of them because he's kind of like a smart talking. He, mm-hmm. he 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 believes he's better than everyone in the room, sort of thing. When he and he he he, he kind of over exaggerates as you're saying. So I thought there was a fair amount of depth to his character actually, and just he was quite unpredictable too. Like when you don't expect him to just whip out the gun and and kill de niro at the end he is he is unpredictable and scary and plays that Mm -hmm. villainous role the against jackie brown really well i thought it was a good Mm -hmm. a good driving force to actually encourage her to go through with this this crazy plan of hers you need someone yeah mental to 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 add attention to the story (laughs) you don't feel this is the scene where uh where Ordell comes into Jackie Brown's apartment and Jackie Brown turns on him, like, with a gun. And I thought that was great. Like, Jackie Brown's not afraid of him at all. Mm-hmm. That was, like, a great, uh... What did you guys think of the split screen? Because that's a huge moment in the film. And that whole scene in general. Yeah, I love oh. that. When it shows uh, that Jackie took the gun out of Robert Forster's car. Uh, the What is it? The passenger side, like, glove compartment. I think I liked that one. There was another moment that was an unnecessary flashback thing that I didn't like, but that one I think Okay. Was... Yeah, I remember noticing that. Yeah, because that felt like Tarantino too. Like the style of it was, it definitely felt like a Tarantino movie, even though it feels much more grounded than the usual stuff he does. Yeah. Um, that stylistic choice, like the ending where it shows the different perspectives on the same robbery or like the flashback. Like I thought all those things were appropriate because it's just, that's like his flavor adding it to the story. It would be really out of place in his filmography, I think. The the gun one was stylistic and worked fine, in my opinion. There was a uh, weird flashback, I think, in the middle of... Yeah, uh, it's not, like, entirely necessary. In the middle of the... the uh, I think they were in the cafeteria or something. But there was, uh-huh. like, a weird flashback, like, well through the movie, where it's like, I can't do it without you, Max. And it's like, that. why Why did that need to, need to be there? Like, that was oh, so yeah. weird. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm not behind I'm not behind the uh, three different perspectives of the same buying the suit thing. Okay, you know, especially because like the more times you play it, the more it just like doesn't make sense how the cops didn't figure anything out. You know, because like they <laughs> the the cops criticized her for having enough time to go and pay for the clothes. So clearly, they either have like some sort of record of her doing that or they talk to the cashier and if they talk to the cashier who is apparently so attentive that she's like yeah the dressing room's closed without even looking backwards like that's how attentive she is if they talk to the cashier and ask like oh did somebody break into the dressing room and run away with something was there a chase like she would have said no right so it just seems like kind of contradictory i don't know yeah the, that part okay but like i also read on uh, i think it was on wikipedia that like this film is also kind of trying to be like homage to like black exploitation films that also had Pam Greer sure. in them. 
Mm -hmm. which I would not be familiar with because I haven't seen those. Yes, definitely. There's a lot of stylistic, like the fades kind of reminded me of that too. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of things in the movie. Um, Just the music and the tone, especially. The look of it too, the color. There's like the scene in the the bar, it's like bright red. Like it's Mm -hmm. so bright, you can't even make any details Mm -hmm. in the face. Yeah. The the very colorful palette of the movie, um, saturated, I mean. Mm -hmm. It's well shot. Yeah, it looks 70s. True. Even though it's set in the 90s. Yeah, but what's weird about it is like in the catalog of Quentin Tarantino films, like you could make make the argument that like Pulp Fiction also kind of looks like pretty seventies, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, it does. Like his his filming style, especially in that generation of his films, kind of just looked like that anyway. So it's weird to like pick this one out. I guess they're all kind of like homage movies, but it, it's weird to pick this one out as being like. I don't know, like a specific homage, if that's what it's going for. And I don't even know how far it is going for that. Like, if I'm supposed to be like, okay, the logic to the whole conclusion doesn't matter because it's supposed to be a black exploitation homage or something. Like, I don't know how much that's supposed to be, especially, I don't know, it's like based off a book, right? So I don't know if that mm-hmm. was trying to be an homage to black exploitation films probably yeah, I, not I d- right i don't think he was trying to make a black exploitation film mm-hmm. i think it's just he loves pam greer and uh, like foxy brown and bucktown and that stuff and using the like text font and everything it's like a stylistic yeah, kind of choice the and the music works so well i, mm-hmm. I love the music integration and the uh diegetic yeah, nature that's of the movie it. a lot i feel all that stuff man i love the music in the film but i don't love how frequently the same songs are played over and over and over. That's something that really bothers me. There's like two different songs. One of them is played like at least four times and the other one's played like three three times in the movie. And it's just every time it starts playing again, either of those two songs, it's just like, oh man, like I wish, I wish it was like a new song, but it wasn't. And it just gets more annoying every time. The Bobby Womack one. Oh, I don't know who wrote these songs it was the first one of them the first time it was played oh no not the one she was singing in the car at the end like that one was fine and that's like a uh if that's what you're talking about that that's more of like a reincorporation sort of thing yeah because yeah. i love that one the 110th street yeah. it might have been a part of the score or it might have just been some other song that was licensed from quentin tarantino that he liked but it was first played in the courtroom scene and it's got this like weird goofy ass tone to it and it was annoying the first time i actually didn't like it the first time but they played it like three or four times in the film and each time it was just not not enjoying it and wishing that they had a bit more variety but who knows i don't know maybe it's a part of the homage that it's maybe trying to be according to somebody on wikipedia i guess i don't know otherwise i like the music but it's just I, playing the same song fucking four times i i can't I'm wondering if in the book the the structure of that kind of three different perspective sequences is, is similar because I mm-hmm. I read he was quite he wanted to be quite accurate to the book so I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was written or structured that way in the book and that was his main motivation for that that would explain a lot because mm. I mean if you did that in a book there would probably be a bit more even if it was covering the same amount of time it would take longer to get through the book you'd be able to explain more about what's going on inside characters heads and details about the scene so that when it kept going back to it and you could even justify it by being like okay new chapter new chapter new chapter and that would all fit really well if that's what happened in the book but in the film it's just like immediately after the scene you just see the same scene again from a different perspective and it's just like it doesn't really 
there's nothing that really justifies why certain bits of information were withheld the first time you saw it. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't ruin the scene or make it all that different if you knew that the other characters were there too and what they were doing at that moment. But I do I do very much like at least this is one justification I guess. I do like how we only saw a uh, weed girl's feet with the uh, mm-hmm. her putting the the bag through. I liked that as like a restrained kind of like interesting choice, you know, something you might see in like, I don't know, Steve McQueen movie or somebody trying to do something like a bit different. I liked that. But then mm-hmm. I don't know. It just felt very incredibly convoluted <laughs> over the course of the scene when it really just didn't need to be by the time it got to like the third perspective of just the same thing, basically. See, I didn't feel the the, the disconnect there. I thought mm-hmm. it flowed pretty well because the, the movie's split into these kind of groups of characters already. So seeing it broken up into like Pam yeah. Greer's segment and Robert Forster's segment, the Robert De Niro segment, I thought that made sense to me because those are kind of the three different perspectives of the movie. So seeing mm-hmm. seeing it from their side kind of made sense in my mind. It, That's it, true. It didn't even That's true. bother me. You follow it from like Ordell, Robert Forster, and like Jackie Brown. I think those are like the three. Because like the first part of the movie you don't see jackie brown at all really you see her for the opening credits and then it's yeah. focused on ordell for like 15 minutes or 10 minutes or however long i, I like that choice mm-hmm. and it made it feel much more like it's a character piece it's not just about this one person and that kind of goes along with the rest of his movies too i'm not inherently against the choice in of itself i actually now that i think about it i probably would have enjoyed the movie a lot more if the film was just structured and reorganized. Like if it were even more non-chronological, I probably would have enjoyed it more because then it would have felt as though the three perspectives thing was a bit more justified. If let's say we saw her perspective, like a third through the movie and then the second perspective, two thirds through the movie and then closer to the end, the third perspective, right? Like that would have made a lot more sense structure wise to me. My problem isn't necessarily just like, Oh, there's, three perspectives in the film and that's not a good thing it's just that it's right after each each other and it feels like it's stagnant like the movie isn't really progressing anymore because we're seeing the same thing over and over again and each new time we see something the important parts of the perspectives aren't during that moment when the transaction is happening like those aren't the parts that are interesting the interesting parts are like okay when he goes outside and fucking shoots her like that's that's fun right but that's not that has nothing to do with the three perspective change like if you had one perspective you still could have shown that happening immediately after just by you know changing which character is being focused on there's well, no the scene where they established that jackie brown like took the car out of robert force's car they're switching the two different ways you see like the two different characters are seeing that scene robert forrester and her so that adds something the way to the she movie. took what when she takes the gun out of robert forrester's car and points it at sam jackson oh, that no yeah i'm not talking about that and he's like he like discovers it you see the two different points of view but they establish right there that there's two different points of view of the story, and I think that adds a lot to the movie, that, that one instance of it. No, I was talking specifically about the money scene, the, the buying yeah, the suit but I just thing, think right? that's another point in the movie very early on where they establish that same thing and the point of view, and I think it works really well. Yeah, I don't have an issue with that mm-hmm. one. And again, it's not inherently that there are different perspectives. It's just <laughs> that it's three in a row right away, and not a whole lot gets added to those three perspectives. It's just the same scene happening three times and taking its time when it's already two and a half hours long and 
really, really overcomplicating a simple story that doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't quite feel the complication. I, I more felt the, the, the three sections being back to back actually added with the tension of it. And how is this heist going to go down? What are the deal t- details of it? I know you said you weren't really interested in the exchange part of it, but. I find that interesting in and of itself. I find the their plan and enacting the plan and the tension of trying to go through with what they were they were planning to do mm-hmm. to be a hook in and of itself. So that, that kind of thing just did not bother me. Yeah, and the plan goes south pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a shit show pretty quick. Yeah, it makes the uh, the build up to when yeah, like when uh, De Niro snaps. It's like a shocking moment and. You've got mm-hmm. surprises in there. You haven't re- really mentioned Michael Keaton yet. Yeah. He's kind of funny. How do we feel of him in the movie? He's a dickhead. Yeah, he's, he's, his character is fine. Him and his, him and his buddy. Well, they, they're like tertiary characters, but I yeah. thought even just for that, they're, they're pretty interesting. They were like really uh, funny and, you know, I thought a yeah. lot of the movie was pretty funny. I wasn't, I wasn't upset with him in the movie. I don't think we've mentioned that. It was, it was really hilarious at the, times. The purple bag scene was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Purple in quotes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's such a small part of the movie. It's like just a, a tiny little line. I liked that, but man, that's just like not what I think of when I think of the movie. It's, there's a lot of good lines. <laughs> just like it could be in any movie, you know? I don't know. Remember that like this is just something that my core criticisms at its heart, it's just something that I don't connect with. And... Everything yeah. from that point is literally just a byproduct of me not caring about the characters or what they're doing. I just don't connect to what's happening story-wise. And because of that, I'm forced to, especially now that I'm talking about it on a podcast, I'm forced to go through the movie and actually write notes <laughs> about how I feel about specific things, which is why on previous my previous four watches, I didn't really, you know care about sam jackson i didn't really think about it i I was just bored and you know like checked out but now it's (laughs) like i'm forced to go through and be like okay what what's what do i not care about in this movie and so everything's kind of just like highlighted to that degree keep that in mind it's not like it's not like i actively hate this movie it's just that you know i'm forced to justify why it means nothing to me and why i forget about it 20 minutes after i watch it every single time after the you know i've already watched it like five times (laughs) and i couldn't remember anything and i'm watching through the movie i'm like oh yeah chris tucker's in it again you know like all these things about it i'm like oh yeah there's there's this scene like it's coming back to me like a a fucking dream that i had or something you know fucking five times watching the movie and just like doesn't stick (laughs) It's so weird the way Tarantino does this because mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of the things you describe are just how I feel about like Death Proof. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Like, Everybody's got a different one. Yeah, <laughs> which does make him very interesting. But how, do you, how do you feel about this idea that he's t- described this movie as a hangout movie? Where it, what does that mean? <laughs> I'll, read, I'll read the quote. Isn't every movie hangout movie? <laughs> he says, it's a hangout movie, he explained. Jackie Brown is better the second time, and I think it's even better the third, and the fourth time, maybe even the first time we see it, we go, why are we doing all this hanging out? Why can't we get more of the plot? But now the second time you see it, and the third time you see it, you're not thinking about the plot anymore. You're waiting for the hangout scenes. 
to me, that's the thing Rio Bravo did. Oh, yeah, because he was comparing it, saying he, it was his Rio Bravo. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw Rio Bravo, but I remember more the 15th time I saw Rio Bravo. Obviously, Adam would vehemently disagree with this statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've seen it five times now. Um... <laughs> Fourth time. So, so he said that about his own movie? Watch yeah, it three that's kind of funny. Times. That's hilarious. Say that about like, he, he's movie. a good director and writer, like, of course. He's made really great films, but he comes off as a bit of a pretentious ass, especially when he says things like that. And we've we've talked before the fucking video of him slapping the slapping the phone at a guy's hand. What are you doing? <laughs> Yo, what are you doing? He's very intense, isn't he? <laughs> what are you doing right now? <laughs> I suppose in a way, most films are like just hanging out with the characters. If you want to like put it as loosely yeah, as possible, yeah. I mean, like most of his movies are like that. Like I don't, yeah. The, both of those elements worked for me in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is a lot of fucking hanging out, but I also care about mm-hmm. like the tension of each scene. I care about you know the fucking overdose. I care about the conflict with Marcellus Wallace and the white uh, or you know Uma Thurman girlfriend thing. Like there's so yeah. much. I feel like the more times I watch that movie, I'm not just like ignoring the plot and I'm waiting for the hangout scenes. I think that there's more context for both of those elements and they work yeah. better every time I watch the film. I'm like understanding more the dynamics and what's at stake in any given scene, how things eventually play out makes all of it better. Whereas in Jackie Brown, it sounds like he just said like, yeah, the plot doesn't really matter. You know, just the hangout scenes. The hangout <laughs> scenes are always good in his movies. In, uh, yeah. yeah. Jules and Vincent in the mm-hmm. car and Pulp Fiction. And then this too, when they're in Ordell's apartment or is it her apartment? whoever's apartment it is like those scenes are great there's a lot of other stuff going on in this movie i don't know why the hangout scenes are such a high point for him or it's just like a specific thing and then it's like uh yeah the four you got to watch the movie three or four times i mean <laughs> it's it, like upon the third or fourth view convoluted like, I, <laughs> it doesn't need to be a third or fourth view it's not that convoluted i i understood it the first time watching it. i was like oh i was maybe mildly like what for the that that point uh, at the end for the switching perspectives yeah yeah i won't even take off points for that because i would literally didn't even think anything of it i figured it out pretty quick it's an hour and 25 minutes into the film by the time she even suggests to run away with like the half a million dollars to the bondsman right yeah like I guess so. there's just so much of this movie where like you're wondering what's the conflict right now where is it going sort of thing or at least that was my experience with a lot of the times that i watched it it's All just right. the the main plot just isn't that engaging to me, and perhaps that weighs down the hangout scenes for me. Because like, there's individual moments. I love the weed girl, and I love the Robert De Niro thing. I love them talking about the guns, watching the fucking TV ad, and Sam Jackson's going all off on like AK forty seven and blah blah yeah, blah. The chicks with guns thing was pretty yeah. funny. I don't I don't know I don't know who made that or if that's yeah, original. There's or... a lot of <laughs> Did, great like, yeah, stuff. Roth make that for him in the film aesthetically that I love, not just the filmmaking, but like character dynamics, ideas for what characters should be, how they should be sort of thing. I love that. It's just, it's in a boring movie. (laughs) I wish, I wish it was in something where I cared more about what was happening. And perhaps this is also because I don't give a shit about Jackie Brown. Main character, I don't care about. I really do not. I find the most interesting characters in this movie to be the other characters. And I don't find Jackie Brown to be interesting whatsoever. I guess that's where we differ then. Because I think her character is like the point and carries the whole thing. So I suppose if she doesn't work, then obviously the movie's not going to come together for you. But 
I, I really like yeah. the first hour of the movie. I think it establishes the kind of stakes really well, as I said, with like Sam Jackson killing the previous runner and everything, and then him basically trying to kill Jackie Brown and her pulling a fast one on him. So he's like forced to mm-hmm. work with her. That's like an interesting place in a story for a character to be. There's a lot of tension and drama there, and then yeah. adding in the De Niro stuff. I felt like that was okay. If I cared about her, it would work so well, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're not connecting the characters, then the movie's not going to work. Because, like, it's, yeah, it's so character-driven. It's just so focused mm-hmm. on those hangout scenes and people talking to each other. Not, yeah, it's not as plot-driven as maybe, I don't know, I wouldn't say any of his movies are as plot-driven. There's usually very long dialogue scenes, and I don't know, yeah. I don't, this one doesn't really stand out to me, particularly, where I thought it was dragging. Mm-hmm. I, I think it just stands out more because of the subtlety compared to the other movies. Like the, it doesn't rely on some kind of shocking violence or yeah. anything. It's based on source material. It's based on something else. Yeah, that book background does give it a different feel. It has a different flavor. It doesn't end like a shootout or well, there's shooting, but <laughs> it's a lot different. Everyone gets shot twice too, which is an interesting thing. I don't. I'm not sure if that was a supposed to mean something. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets oh, shot right. twice in the movie. That. Interesting. I don't know why. What What's funny is like I would feel this way probably the way you feel about it with it being like different and kind of like more mature. I would feel that way about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood if spoilers the ending was different. Not a huge spoiler, just yeah. by keeping it vague. I Agreed. would feel that exact same way if if he just stayed consistent the entire movie i'd be like wow this is like a mature departure that like you know it doesn't need his you know gimmicky tarantino shtick sort of thing you know yeah i, I really agree with yeah that. and then it ends with horrific violence yeah and, i'm yeah. not i'm not opposed to that at all it was really weird how once in a time the time in hollywood ended <laughs> it's just like yeah <laughs> thought you thought you were watching a different kind of tarantino movie mm-hmm. huh well not today pal couldn't help himself on that one yeah and jackie brown just kind of is actually that it's just, it's good the whole movie, and there's no dumb shootout. <laughs> I love the ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. I think it works for that movie. It was very unexpected. Mm-hmm. That's much more of a crowd pleaser, too. This movie actually didn't do great. I believe it did fine. Um, critically, people liked it. It just didn't do amazing. And I think Tarantino hammered more in on the the zany elements of his movies or the violent elements that <laughs> it's funny you said this movie's more mature um because it's you know not as violent or as like bloody as his other movies but his other movies are more looney tunes-esque and not as mature even though they're more violent because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're so ridiculous they're so fucking you know the amount of blood in django is ridiculous like the end when he's shooting those guys in the house it's like hilarious how much blood there is <laughs> And there's nothing like that in this movie. I just took it really seriously. I'm like, wow, this is good drama. It's really good characters. They don't do anything crazy. Six years after Jackie Brown, he released Kill Bill. And they are kind of the antithesis of Uh of each other. And I I really like them both for that exact reason. They're both doing something different in his, like, filmography. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It it really stands out now, especially now we've had, like, Django, The Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time. Jackie Brown really does stand out as something a little bit different, which I, I really think adds some layers to it yeah even hateful eight he directed jackie brown in between my two favorite quentin tarantino movies (laughs) right next (laughs) to them yeah i i personally i wouldn't put it at the very top um i i do still think like pulp fiction's better and i do i really like the hateful eight Mm -hmm. but this is the thing though as we said like everyone just has their favorite 
versions of Tarantino and what they're looking for from his mm-hmm. style. Because he does have yeah. a consistent style, but it's just the interpretation and like, what era of Hollywood is he going to be homaging in this movie? Like, what is it an action thing? Is it like a more exploitative thing? Like, there's there's, there's a mm-hmm. lot of choice and. I don't know. Jack, I just like the the serious nature of Jackie Brown. How it doesn't jump the gun at any point in that way. It is consistent. I really like the characters. I love that dialogue. I just I don't know. It's it's a really interesting film from him. Yeah, I was gonna say he flates like that. It felt more mature or like a little more grounded for the first maybe two thirds of it, and then it gets a little not story. Yeah. Man. But I forgive it there more with it being like a Western and everything and yeah. the crazy characters. You're kind of waiting for it because it was actually really slow. It was actually like, let's just establish yeah, yeah. all these characters, one setting. And I'm like, okay, I, I like this it's a lot. It's compelling all the way through for me. It is compelling. I'm yeah. not saying it's not compelling, but it's one location. It's like trapped in a shack. I love with it. These yeah. fucking eight people. Yeah. And, uh, you I know, think Hateful Eight is great. To, so to have yeah. that catharsis at the end of like they all shoot each other is it's funny. I like that a lot. Like, yeah. Like a Western shooter. Yeah, I didn't want Jackie Brown to like start shooting everyone, and like, I didn't want that. I like the way Jackie Brown handled the situation, and she got away scot free. And you know, even Robert Forrester, like the their kiss at the end, and and when she goes away, like that was a very touching moment. I thought I really liked those characters. We admit he's a bit scared of her. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of scared of her. He feels kind of used by her. Like there's so much going on in his face at that moment, and then he walks away, and it's out of focus. Is yeah, it was very um, memorable stylistic choices, I thought, throughout the mm. entire thing. Love the stylistic choices. Yeah, the the color of, like, I, I appreciate his devotion to film and, like, the film look. The colors mm. in the movie look really nice. Like, her suit is all blue. Like, it really pops. She wears it at the end, like, in the mall robbery, even though she doesn't necessarily have to. But, it like, I guess it's a good disguise. Like, she's a little inconspicuous. And it just make it looks really great. And then she comes out with the suit, and it looks great. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much about the visual style of the movie, how it's presented, that, that I thought was really well thought out. When she's, like, running out of the mall, or she's running out when the heist kind of goes wrong, and the, the camera's following her out of the mall, or out of the store, I mean... That was really well done too. Like there's there's so mm-hmm. many stuff. There's so much stuff like that. The the music yeah, was the well in that part. Yeah, it was not. I didn't think it was dull at all or, or like boring. Like I was never. It never. It never lost me at all. I it it flew by as well in terms of the length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't feel the length either. Even though I think some of his later films like uh, Django especially, I felt like were just a bit too long, a bit too much, a bit just like. 15 minutes too much I, I i'm with mm-hmm. you i didn't feel that length i thought it it just felt it paced itself really well it it didn't like linger on anything that wasn't you know giving me some kind of payoff or humor or clever line or good acting or yeah yeah i, I appreciate it in his filmography but as a film on its own too i think it really works i think if you just watched it once and, and never bothered with it again <laughs> i feel like it's a very good film yeah it's like a very great casual viewing as well. I feel like it works in any, like any, basically anyone can enjoy it, even though it is kind of mature and violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would highly recommend it as like one of his best movies. Yeah, I would put it up there with uh, Pulp Fiction and God, what's a, I'd say Inglorious Bastards probably. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my favorite. Yeah, I like Bastards. I really like the, uh, 
like the uh, slow zoom on the back of uh, Sam Jackson's head as he's like <laughs> thinking about like whether or not to shoot <laughs> Robert De Niro. I like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. There, are, there are lots of like technical moments that I love. Lots of that. Mm-hmm. It's just not held together with anything that <laughs> that I can <laughs> stick to, you know? It needs the yeah. stickiness, as M. Knight would say. So you guys didn't think the ending was like anticlimactic or anything, right? No, not at all. Yeah. No, she achieves her goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the last the final car shot I liked. Just the whole shootout part is just so yeah. weird and yeah, awkward. Yeah, like the resolution of the story. Yeah. Oh yeah, like right, she's got a gun. And yeah, then, and, and then, he's like Sam yeah. Jackson is well aware that there could be a setup and specifically tells Robert Forster, like, I'm gonna fucking kill you if you do this shit. And he's like loaded ready to go and there's literally like a whole fucking like five seconds where he could shoot her (laughs) like was she i don't even know if she was wearing like a bulletproof vest probably but still it's just like damn he didn't do anything about that you know he kind of just like stood there and let it happen but it was kind of weird and then yeah the whole just i don't know the cops being so incompetent that they didn't ask the cashier if somebody ran past her it's weird but yeah, that is yeah. weird, but that is weird, but I'll give it that. But none of those things are are enough for for my experience anyway. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I think the film offers a lot of value, and and the positives far outweigh the negatives. Yeah, I you know? could I could complain about stupid things about Kill Bill. You know, there's a bunch of shit like that. Uh-huh. Like you can't just, yeah, that's not how comas work. You know, fucking feet and wiggle your big toe. Like, there's so much about it that's goofy. <laughs> oh, that's a going for a cartoon logic. Yeah, it's like, it's a goofier movie. Also, it's not yeah, only a goofier movie, yeah. but it's like something I love. By the way, I would love to talk about Kill Bill on the podcast someday, but I'm kind of hoping we all wait for like a 4K release because mm-hmm. I think that would be a good excuse. Oh, that'd be awesome. To go back to it. Yeah, I want to get like a 4K restoration of all his movies. I'm mm-hmm. waiting on that. Like Chris Nolan has one because he shoots all of them on film as well. Yeah, I'll I'll probably do like a box set in the next year or something. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Yeah. I should totally do that. Yeah, I'd like to see the whole bloody effects. I've only ever watched them separately. Uh Who knows if that will ever get an actual release outside of Japan. That's the Kill Bill one, theater thing. There's the extended Hateful Eight, you know, there's that one. Yeah. I love love the love story between um, Robert Forrester and Pam Greer in this. The mm-hmm. first shot when she's like walking out of jail and it's it's kind of like the the love at first sight moment where he looks at her yeah and, and she's like you know her hair's all raggedy you just tell by his face but the way it's presented it's like a it's the moment he falls in love with her I guess <laughs> it, I thought that was so yeah. unique there are a lot of um, moments in this genre that Tarantino just presents in a more like a played down way that made it much more actually interesting to watch because it was more subtle. Because it was just like Robert Forster walking, watching her walk out of jail, or just a simple back exchange. Like that's what made it suspenseful uh, for me, anyway. And then I love the giant shootouts with tons of blood too. But that's that's for other movies. Yeah, it would have been weird here. Yeah, I'd like to watch those black exploitation movies too, but I don't know. Those are those are hard to get into, <laughs> like the Pam Greer ones. Uh, I'll I'll watch some of them one day. I feel like I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'd be, it, it, depending on the runtime, I might be more entertained by those. <laughs> yeah, I bet they're shorter, but. I also like, I don't know. I, I love kind of like relics from the past in that way. I think that there's this, own, yes. their own sense of character to it. And I love, you know, uh-huh. even like kind of poorly made things like from that era. 
I would love yeah, to I'm interested in Foxy Brown. Yeah, I'm gonna add that. Yeah, to my Death watch Proof is right like now. much. Death Proof is like that. It's like much more of an homage to those exactly. kinds of movies. Exactly. Yeah. Much more goofy. It's probably why yeah. I like it more. It's just like a lot of this is also I don't know when it comes down to like a gut visceral reaction of like whether or not you enjoy something. A lot of it is like tone and aesthetic, right? And I yeah. love the tone and the aesthetic of Death Proof a lot. I love what it's going for in that in that regard. So that really helps my experience there. Jackie Brown doesn't seem like too far removed from like either Pulp Fiction or like even Reservoir Dogs to some extent, but it just doesn't, it's not as like strong of a personality in that sense. I don't know. Like the mm. soundtrack's there. For I, sure. I feel like it has a lot of personality. There's like a, I mean, even though it's based on a book, it, it feels much more original to me too. There's a sense of originality. Teth Proof, there's like a bunch of stuff from movies he's, mm-hmm. he's referencing. And it feels much more like kind of how Run, Hide, Fight. It's just like this cathartic, like, and then there's our car chase. And then there's this. And I just see oh, I Tarantino just writing down a bunch of, <laughs> like, crap. Like, and then there's a bunch of hot chicks. And then they get in a car chase. <laughs> like, it's just, like, to me, that's boring. And I, mm-hmm. I this didn't feel like that. This is like he actually, like, took his time and developed it. <laughs> and it was based on something that someone else wrote that he actually developed as well like they thought out oh, yeah. really well it wasn't just like dumb movie cliches and references and there's homages in there too but it's more like sprinkled in it's it's much it's much better i think <laughs> um but yeah preference and all that i wouldn't even disagree with your assessment that he probably put more time into writing jackie brown i would i wouldn't disagree with that at all mm-hmm. i just like death mm-hmm. proof more and I love Kill Bill. That's more goofy too. It's just you know, it depends how you yeah. play it. Yeah, I'm I am fucking itching for a 4K release of that because I want to watch it again, but I don't <laughs> like I want to you know, it's been long enough that yeah. I feel like I've I could experience parts of it kind of almost for the first time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they keep doing that after we do like an episode. Like they just released Lord of the Rings on 4K, and <laughs> we just did the episode on that. So oh yeah. Well, it's because they watch our podcast. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, we got to ride the wave. Hold the line. <laughs> I got Terminator 2 4K. That was really good. Oh, yeah? Oh, it's nice. a fucking great movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in forever. Yeah. Yeah, same. Get the 4K. Same. I'll check it out again. But yeah, uh, yeah, ratings, I guess, if you want to. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start because I, I gave it a five out of five. I think it's great. It's probably one of my favorite crime movies it's one of my favorite Tarantino movies, like top three. Uh, depends on the day. And, and yeah, I love that. It's just like a good drama, just subtle. Um, I, I keep saying like the same shit about it, but I just really, yeah. I love the movie. I think it's really well done. I, I appreciate it a lot. I don't want to be obnoxious about it. <laughs> I just think it's <laughs> great. I just think it's really great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I want to be obnoxious about it, and I'm giving it a <laughs> 5 out of 10. Uh, it's underrated compared to his other works, and it's for a reason. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm more on Ralph's side. I, I give this a 4 star. Um, I, I have other movies in his in his list that I, I prefer, but I, I do think there is something to be said for Jackie Brown in the story here and just how different it is for his filmography. I, I like the characters, like Ralph, I'm just going over the bullet points I've already done. I mean, I just really like this movie. Um, <laughs> and hopefully uh, can go back to hang out with yeah. the characters uh, again and again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hanging out with my family. <laughs> Great song. Hanging out with Quentin. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. 
I was rewatching it for this, and it, it didn't feel like work at all. Like it was just so enjoyable. I'm very happy Not for that the both it, of you. It never feels like work. <laughs> you know, it's just like so many times I've seen it. It's so such a good movie. I was so invested in it. Yeah, in, in my memory, I I held it way more negatively. So I was I was really pleasantly surprised by revisiting it. Mm-hmm. Let's do some questions then from the Sardonicast community. If you want to leave your own questions, head over to the Sardonicast subreddit, where there'll be a suggestion thread where you can ask us whatever you like. Inkdrop53 is going to start us off. Have there been films that have made you go and read their book counterparts? No one read uh, Rum Punch in prep for this one? Hmm... The Southland Tales comics. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. I skimmed through Yeah, those. I suppose that's one of my answers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so novels were, like, tied to a book? Um, book, I, I, I guess, like, films that are based on a book that afterwards, like, yeah. for example, after I chose Naked Lunch as a suggestion, I went and I listened to the audiobook. I guess it's not quite the same, but... Cool. Yeah, that's one. I really love the way it was written. Hmm. Uh, I did a lot of traveling, air traveling, like a few years ago. So I read 2001 A Space Odyssey oh, during nice. that. I, I picked up oh, cool. at, at a bookstore. And that was written at the same time as the movie. So it's like... Oh, yeah. It's kind That's of... That's right, yeah. It's similar to the movie, but it's not like the movie's based on it. So people... That's why people have very different interpretations of the movie. Because it's actually very different from the book. Like how the book presents it. Uh, the end is trippy like in the book it's presented like fucking like ethereal like crazy shit is happening like jupiter is like exploding and like the sun is like aligning with mercury like like the way to describe it's like wow um so but so the movie's interpretation is like like a visual version of that i guess mm-hmm. but the, the whole it was basically the same thing like for the most part like the story of it it was pretty good i thought it was a good read I'd say the movie's better because it has that visual component, like all the set designs and everything. The set designs, what makes yeah. it like unique, the, the hallways and the red chairs and like all that shit. The the book's fine though. I haven't read the rest of them. There's like a ton of sequels, but book sequels to two thousand one mm-hmm. that I haven't read at all. Yeah, usually it's the other way around for me. I don't know. Uh, I think there's a, I think there's only one where I've read the source material after the fact, and that would be. Uh, Kimba the White Lion, where I went and read the man- manga <laughs> for purely spiteful reasons, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I've gotten suggestions though. I've heard that uh, a lot of the graphic novels, like Watchmen and Walking Dead, are a lot better than their uh, film TV adaptations. Oh, yeah, Watchmen's much um, better. Yeah, I'm Walking Dead. Yeah, I've read both of those. Oh, awesome. Mm. So who knows? Maybe in the future at some point. I have no idea. But uh, I don't dedicate a lot of time in my day to reading fiction. Most of what I read is like news stuff. So yeah, mm. I'm also reading. I'm like halfway through Watchmen. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Probably almost done with it. Actually, I'm just looking at my shelf. <laughs> I read <laughs> Game of Thrones. I'm like reading that. Oh, they're so big. Those fucking books are fucking giant. Yeah, I started reading it, but it was like at the end of the show. So I was like so down on like just the whole universe and everything. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Is the ending to these books even going to come I'm, out? Now I'm reading them because I actually want to know. I actually want to know like what the ending is. That's why I'm reading them. I want to know what actually happens because the, the show was bullshit. Like everything it came up with is fucking nonsense. If all the books do come out. Maybe I'll make it my mission to go through it, but just, there's something there's something so bothersome to me about that. Just the idea of like investing mm-hmm. yourself in this universe and then potentially not even getting an end, and then you just <laughs> sit and wait and hang out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just hang out. Yeah, yeah, fuck it's that. a hangout book. You just hang out. 
Just hang out <laughs> with the characters, you know? <laughs> M. Night needs Sanuskar. Wait, Sin- an Oscar. Whatever. Yeah, oh my god. Needs <laughs> an Oscar, yeah. <laughs> Reddit names, too. What's the movie that made you recognize film as an art form rather than just a way to pass the time? I mean, way back, probably fucking Memento. That was like my first... I think I yeah. must have watched that one before Donnie Darko. But those were like two big movies for me when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 or something. I was like, yeah, ah, movies mm. can be art. <laughs> yeah. I actually think Finding Nemo. I think that's the one where I, oh, really? I looked into the behind the scenes of it. And I because I think the, the the menu on the DVD had bonus features where you could look at the character models and whatever oh, how yeah. they sculpted them and i was like oh shit so this is how this works it's like cgi it's like a movie and i started to piece together the process of it because i really didn't understand what a, a movie was at that point <laughs> um it's like yeah. when you're young you don't understand you think it's like a bunch of people in a tv like a <laughs> like acting at a play <laughs> i was probably really yeah, young yeah. when i thought that i was probably four mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for me um I was always always drawn to this idea of like being scared by movies and and uh-huh. taking yourself out of that comfort zone. But the, when I was like a really young kid, I saw Alien for the first time, and it like freaked me out so much. The concept of it, this parasitic creature, like fucked yeah. me up so much. Jesus. The only way to get over the fear was to to figure out how they made the movie. As you were mm-hmm. saying with the behind the scenes stuff of Finding Nemo, that was really got me into it. Was seeing like all the behind the scenes of Alien and the featurettes and stuff. Yeah, I was terrified of just... Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified the, of the, the PS2 the game. The Bruce Shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I think I was six years old when Finding Nemo came out. <laughs> so yeah, I probably did think it was a bunch of people on televisions at that point, just fucking acting. Yeah. Out. I just didn't even understand what it was. It was so dumb. There's another like distant memory of mine. It might have been Babe. It might have been Babe Pig in the City. It might have been a movie that's not either <laughs> babe. of the Babe films. But there was like when I was very, very young, uh, watching some movie with my family, there was like a time lapse fade shot of like I don't remember if it was Babe or like a goat, but there was like some an animal in like a a pen, like a within enclosed in like a fence. And they were basically either walking around the ed- lead, sor- sorry, the edge of the fence, like just like killing time. The The implication of the scene was like, oh, passage of time. They're doing nothing. They're bored. They're alone, whatever. And I think my brother mm-hmm. asked like, how do they do that? And I don't remember how my mom or whoever explained it to me, but I think that that was like also a moment where I, at a very early age, was kind of questioning the mechanics of what is being seen in a scene rather than just watching it without actually thinking about what's going behind it. Because at whatever age yeah. I was, very, very young, that was a really interesting question. You know, like, how what how do you do a fade, you know, when you're f- filming something? Mm-hmm. Like, it's something that sort of sparked that thought mm-hmm. process. Or even just how a camera works, how the yeah, exactly. even... Yeah. Just things that you don't question until you have something that kind of sparks that i guess yeah even just watching an animated movie you don't even like a kid doesn't understand yeah cgi or even like drawings and <laughs> motion real. Like, they don't even understand any of that yeah or they just don't even separate it you know mm-hmm. 
but that's yeah, how yeah that like once you, once you discover that and once you kind of look into it i think finding nemo was probably the first time like at least the first time i remember anyway mm. yeah it's it's you're like oh this is actually pretty cool and you could do this yourself <laughs> yeah probably not as good you need hundreds of millions of dollars but maybe at some point fucking tangerines film it on an iphone <laughs> sean baker yeah you can do that <laughs> get like a software on your computer the source filmmaker there's that like dude that blew up on youtube very recently what the fuck is he's getting like every single one of his posts is like big on reddit right now but he makes these like very cheaply uh influenced rotoscoping animations where he released a tutorial on his channel not too long ago i'm gonna find the channel name here so i can give them a shout out on the podcast let's see i can find it on my Twitter without scrolling back too far, I believe. Let's see. Joel Haver, or Haver. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He'll probably hit a million subscribers next month is how his channel's growing. He's at like 600,000 right now. Or I guess this month. It's February already. Good. But yeah, check out. There's a video he made called How I Animated This Video. And he just gives like a tutorial on all of the hilarious and relatable funny animations he's been making that have gotten super popular and and uh yeah basically you can cheaply rotoscope things at home using ai now even though it's not perfect but the technology will get even better which is really cool yeah exactly yeah i'm looking forward to that that's really impressive it'll be pretty sick you can make blade runner at home (laughs) Yeah. yeah you could make southland tales at home (laughs) <laughs> yeah you can make a 10 hour cut yeah it probably look better than the official release yeah. you can make the cut as long as you want 20 hour cut of Southland Tales <laughs> Cartoon Wizard XL has one for us have you guys ever been to Long John Silver's no I think that's an American restaurant right yeah, I didn't really know what it was. I hoped you guys would really know what it no. what it was because I Long John Silver's. I've heard of it, but I haven't. I been. searched a picture of it. It looked pretty messed Is it up. Seafood. Yeah, it's like fast food. It's like the equivalent of like a chip shop in the UK, mm-hmm. but as a mm. ch- big chain restaurant. I yeah, don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Never been to one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. They're, they're okay. around me, but you know, I I've heard of it. Next question. Next question. Okay. Okay. Alfred Fallon Borden says, especially for Adam, Uh-oh. given that you have a lot of thoughts about time travel stories, what do you think of the Netflix series Dark? Shit, I've only seen like two episodes. Oh, really? So you've seen a couple? Yeah, and it was not a hooky? while ago and I was kind of preoccupied at the same time. I would want to probably start from the beginning if I checked it out again. It was well shot. I don't think I got far enough into it to be able to like really interpret what yeah. was even happening supernaturally, <laughs> like time travel or otherwise, you know? So That's one that's been on my list for a while. I feel like just everyone recommends it consistently. Decent from what I watched so far. Not, I mean, it didn't blow my mind, but I'd be willing to continue through with it at some point. Just not in a huge rush to, I guess. What is it? It's like three or four seasons now, right? Yeah, it's getting up there. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so no thoughts on it. Oops. It's regarded highly. People like tell me it's really good. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. No Long John Silver is no dark. Next question. GGG375 is one. If you're forced to add a category to the Academy Awards to reward an aspect of filmmaking you thought was underappreciated, what would your new category be? Best hangout movie? Stunts. Yeah, stunts an obvious one. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, 
I don't know, it, without like just shoving in awards for awards sake, maybe like a first time director award or something. Like yeah. Best, you know, because then it, it breaks it up a little bit. It's not always the same director. group of people always winning. Yeah, something like that. I think they should have a, a best popular movie. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Panther. No, fuck, I, fuck them. I don't even, I'm not even going to come up with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess now that you mention it, like every single music awards show has something like that. Like best new yeah, artist. That's true. Right? They have that at the Grammys and Junos and blah, blah, blah. So like best new actor, best new actress, then best new director. New actor is a like weird one. I like the director one. Yeah. Yeah. Director makes more sense. A new t- new coming actor? I think that would be good. I guess if people cared enough about directors, then they would have that category. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's why they have it in music and music awards shows is because you're nominating the artists themselves, not the people responsible for, you know, not like the director of a film. People care more about the actors in a movie than the director, unfortunately. Well, because they're the ones you see on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're on the screen <laughs> in the posters. They're on the screen, <laughs> unless it's Lars von Trier, then he puts himself on the poster and. Or Tarantino. Yeah, in the movie too. Sometimes, yeah, Tarantino. Oh man, not Jackie Brown, except on a answering machine. Oh yeah, that's why it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes underappreciated in Hollywood for sure. Oh no doubt, stunts is a huge one because it's like. They're literally risking their lives. <laughs> like maybe yeah. some recognition, please. Definitely. Like, I, I feel so like visual weird. effects are much more complicated than just one category. I know, right? I feel like there's so many components that go into visual effects that just like giving, uh, you know, a studio just like one award. I don't think that covers it. Yeah, but then you fall into the the issue that they had with the sound categories, where even though they're two different categories, the Academy doesn't understand the difference, so they just vote for the same one every time. So they there might as well be one category if the the people voting don't even know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like with music and sound. Something that's always bothered me is the difference between like original score and soundtrack, and how but I guess there's no soundtrack category. No, because can... that would be weird. Because you know, then you just throw in a bunch of like previously existing songs into your movie to get an Oscar. But I feel like like. Like Jackie Brown, for example, that's a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Best best use of soundtrack. Yeah, or like best use of like an original song or something. Well, not an original mm. song, a pre-existing song or something. It's like, like an know. original song category, but I feel like that's almost a waste. Yeah, original song category makes sense, but like just having a good track listing, it would be weird to have an Oscar for that. Yeah, I would like it if uh, do they have they don't have like an adapted song category. And that's the reason why Clint Mansell wasn't nominated for Black Swan. They have an adapted screenplay category, but they don't have like an adapted score category. So that oh, would yeah, be a cool yeah, one to yeah. have. And that would, I guess, almost be close to what you were mentioning, but not quite. Because it is weird that if you like make an entirely new rendition off of something that's loosely based off something else, it's just like, no, sorry, it's not a real score anymore. It's like, it's still a fucking great score. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but then, like, films have remakes and they get nominated for an Oscar, but that was just from something else. <laughs> it's like the, True. They should have best yeah. adapted film and then best original film, and that would help, uh, that would encourage filmmakers to make original films. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're taking back Scorsese's Oscar for The Departed. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's yeah, because it's based on Infernal Affairs. Yeah. yeah. 
Sorry. It's not a real movie. Yeah, not a real movie. <laughs> Let's end on this one then from uh, Ben Dad Killer. What are your thoughts on the Hannibal movies, i.e. The Silence of the Lambs, Manhunter, Red Dragon, and the TV show, if you've seen it, especially considering that it's one of Mads Mikkelsen's more popular roles? Hmm. What are your thoughts on Gotti? <laughs> hmm. um, I saw Silence of the Lambs, and that's it. I like Mads Mikkelsen, though. Silence of the Lambs is great. It's probably one of the best movies ever. It's like mm-hmm. critically acclaimed. Very strong lead. Anthony Hopkins fucking... He's incredible in that movie. Um, and then they like yeah. gave him a bunch of sequels because he was so good. And and the rest of that shit I haven't seen. But Silence of the Lambs is awesome. You should totally watch that if you haven't. It's thrilling. Yeah, I've seen all of these and Silence of the Lambs is definitely the best one. I think... Didn't Red, Ridley Scott do Red Dragon or something weird like that, or did he do yeah. Manhunt? I can't mm-hmm. remember because the, the the sequels the sequels are very forgettable, um, and yeah. they're just trying to capture the Silence of the Lambs again. But I do think that Mads Mikkelsen show is worth checking out, especially now. I think it's on Netflix, and they're talking about continuing it. It's been a long time because since I've seen it, because uh, it aired a long time mm-hmm. ago now, but it was very striking. Um, it had a lot of like really fun gore stuff in it. Loads of great like practical mm-hmm. effects. Um, great performance, obviously, from Hannibal himself in that show. So I'd recommend that show for sure. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it for sure. I've seen Silence of the Lambs, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, I do like that movie. I feel like I would like it more now because it's been a while since I've seen it. That's my impression anyway. Who knows? They could always like reboot one of these with like Army Hammer or something, right? <laughs> you got accused yeah. of a uh, cannibalism. I'm going to eat your heart. Yeah, you could do. <laughs> well, I, what's really funny is there's like a Luca Guada. How do you pronounce it? Do you know Ralph? Do you know how to pronounce Luca's Luca name? Luca Guadagnino. Is Luca how you pronounce Luca, his first name? Luca Guadagnino. Luca. I believe that's Guada, how you say it. Yeah. Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Okay. Luca Guadagnino. I don't often trust Ralph for pronunciations, but this time. He's Italian. I think I have. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but it's probably close. But yeah, I heard it. that he was uh, actually doing like some sort of like cannibal movie with Timothée Chalamet. It's like, you got the wrong one. <laughs> it's a bunch of fucking names. You hired the wrong actor. You did get the wrong one. It was the other one. But yeah, apparently that's in development. Yeah, I, I rewatched. The social network the other day and seeing the two armies is funny. Oh, no. <laughs> Army of one. Right. Army of cannibals. Bjork. Uh, <laughs> yeah, imagine like two of them coming at you. I guess that eat. does it uh, for question time. Uh, we have a recommendation from Alex. Yes, yes. So this is my choice and um, I'm taking a risk with this one. Um, <laughs> Please. I want to watch... Bahubali, the beginning, which is and... India's most expensive film okay. ever made. It's a visually breathtaking epic that has to be seen to be believed, according to the uh, description. Okay, twenty fifteen. This <laughs> Bahubali. No, <laughs> Bahubali. It's like no. an action epic. So there's like, oh sweet, you know, I haven't seen it yet. So two I... hours thirty nine minutes long, Indian movie. Great. <laughs> Number 144, top rated. (laughs) Man. Bahubali, the beginning. I have no idea what to expect. I'm excited. How many Bs? 
Bahubali. Uh, it's okay. It's B A A H U B A L I colon the beginning on IMDb. It's got a widely available great rating, and that means so much. So if you don't want to <laughs> spoil Bahubali the beginning, a long film, watch it before the next episode. <laughs> These episodes come out every two weeks. If you want to support the show, uh, patreon.com slash sardonicast or sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium. You get these episodes early, $2 a month. We also got merch. You can buy some merch. And yeah, I uh, I guess I'll have to watch this movie. <laughs> nice I'll give it a fair chance. Bahubali. <laughs> I, will give it, I will give it an honest watch. Yeah, I've seen some clips. It looks pretty fun. I am... Very judgmental, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Uh, I guess that's it. I got to get back to watching some Sundance movies now. So, thank you everybody for watching, and uh, have a happy Bahubali, the beginning. Bye everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>